welcome to the Smart Connector podcast, which looks at the power of connection in business and life. Featuring solo episodes as well as a range of exciting interviews with entrepreneurs across multiple sectors, we offer tips and advice to build your impact, wealth and success, attract others for all the right reasons, and become a Smart Connector, the architect of your amazing business and life. Smart Connector podcast. I'm delighted to interview Vandana Tolani, who is an amazing female entrepreneur. Welcome, Vandani. It's great to have you here. Thank you, Jean. It's a pleasure to be on your podcast. And I've been looking forward for this podcast since over a month. Once again, thank you for having me here. You're very welcome. So, Vandana, you're a founder and CEO of Convanto, which is one of the most well-known boutique investment banks in India. And you're also a venture advisor with Loyal VC, the INSEAD-led Canadian venture capital fund, having a core portfolio of over 160 investments in more than 35 countries. And you're a partner with a Silicon Valley-based venture builder, which is all really impressive. But one of the reasons why I am so honored and excited to interview you is that you were awarded the Woman Entrepreneur of the Year in 2021. And you're one of the top 10 women leaders in wealth management in 2021. And your brand, Convanto, comes under the top 10 women entrepreneur brands. So you're a multi-award winning female entrepreneur and founder. And that is just so exciting and so inspirational. So we're going to get into your history and your background and what you do now and your tips for other female founders. And we're going to talk about raising capital for startups and all of those exciting things. So we're just going to get into it, Bandana, today. But before we do, I'd just love to hear a little bit more about your background and how you came to be where you are today and do what you're doing today. So uh, thank you, Jean. So I was in Singapore and Jakarta for 15 years in investment banking, and I had my own family office fund there. This is my seventh year back in India. I did investments, then I went back to advisory. So currently I'm connected with 300 investors globally. And we are a global entity. We are sector agnostic. Typically we do a $1 million to $50 million. We have done 165 investments in more than 35 countries. I've gotten actually five awards. I'm the top 10 women leaders in Wealth Punishment 2021. My brand, Convanto, comes under the top 10 women entrepreneur brands led by a female founder in India, along with Nika. I'm the top 10 consulting firms in India led by a female founder. I've been awarded as the Women Entrepreneur of the Year 2021. In January, I've been awarded as the top 10 futuristic women in 2022, along with Nika again. We support a lot of startups with their fundraising and their documentation and a lot goes on between what goes on between the investors and startups is we investment bankers have a lot of, you know a lot of role to play there <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so so you must be inspiring a lot of female founders in particular because a lot of women start up their own businesses because they hit the glass ceiling in the corporate world 
I mean, I know this is somebody who this has happened to very recently, and she was a very ambitious young lady. She was working for a global business, and she said, you know, I look around and I don't see women being promoted. I just see the men being promoted. And, of course, that's one of the things that leads women to go out there, ambitious women, and start their own businesses. So how does it feel to be inspiring female founders with all those incredible awards and achievements? It must feel really good to you. Well, I feel very grounded at whatever has been achieved. It's only because there were lots of people around me who didn't believe in what I was, in the talents, in the skills that I had, essentially. And you know, typically, uh, because this is a very male-dominated industry, we are considered not as business savvy. We are considered as, you know, having children, so maybe we are not capable. And so essentially, I didn't focus on what anybody said, and I just focused on achieving my goals. And I could just focus on my goals and not what is happening around and I was able to achieve. That is one thing. Second thing is that there are also a lot of female founders that actually are not able to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. So even though they say that they are you know, decision makers, behind them, a male is making a decision. Uh-huh. That is where they fall back. I have seen many VC fund owners who are at the decision-making table, but behind them there's a male who's guiding them so I think this is where the lack is managing money can be given to a woman also I think she's essentially capable of doing that doesn't have to be typically a male role but of course this also depends on talent sometimes it's not about the gender also it's about the talent that one has and you know the kind of backing one needs to pursue that so what I've achieved in seven years this is my eighth year actually but I could have achieved in two years if I had the backing the, you know people of, of that understanding level at that time so when I came back to India I had two little kids lots to do it's essentially a journey but when I look back at it now that it's actually it was not that tough but yeah because I've achieved success maybe I feel that wasn't tough. But when I look back to the days we have gone through, it, it was tough. Because, you know, you have to, as an entrepreneur, as a mother, you have self-doubts. And yeah. you have those moments of guilt where you have to balance between family and between the work, essentially. So I think that is a very, very essential part of which all women play. and. Hats off to all the women who are able to do so while having a lot on their table. Yes, because it does, you're right, Most for most women, their family is the most important thing in their yeah. life. And we tend to go out there and build businesses and become successful because we want to provide for our family and we want to build a better future for ourselves and our family. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think it can be very, very challenging when you have young children to juggle those responsibilities because we have this instinct, don't we, that we do want to be a mother and we want to be an active mother. 
but there are so many demands on our time as a founder that we can, it's very easy to drop the ball and we often do, right? (laughs) Yeah, not only that, it's also how we are conditioned. So I'll, it's not only in India, it's all all around the world. Why is there, there is a pink and blue. So that conditioning of the pink and blue, it starts from our home. The girl, for the girl, it's pink. For the boy, it's blue. For the girl, it's dolls. For the boys, it's soccer. So when that barrier breaks, when that uh, pink and blue barrier breaks, and essentially everybody is treated equal. Women are uh, generally trained to nurture more the kids, the family, and other stuff. So I think that is where you know, the barrier needs to break all around the world that, you know, any girl can play soccer, boy can play with the doll, pink can be for boys and uh, blue can be for girls. So I think that is also one thing that needs to break. I mean, kitchen can be for men also. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So I think that plays an important role. Yeah. So, In terms of venture capital and funding founders, generally the track record of female businesses that have raised venture capital is very, is very poor, isn't it? There are very relatively few female founded businesses that attract venture capital. And I I think I, I read the statistics somewhere and compared to the number of female entrepreneurs that actually start businesses, it is just not reflected in the statistics in terms of raising capital. So what's going on there, Bandana? I mean, you're on the front line and I'm sure that you have insights into why this might be. So it's essentially not just with female founders, it's also with almost everybody because there are some basic criteria that they are not following, which is essentially having your pitch deck done by a professional. A business plan done by a professional, your financial models and valuations done by a professional, Mm -hmm. having an investment banker on board who has the right kind of relationships with the right kind of funds, Mm -hmm. you know, reaching out to the right kind of investors. Like if it's a food company, they might be reaching out to a tech investor. If it's a tech company, they might be reaching out to a food investor. Uh So this is where, you know, they feel not having a CFO on board or not having an advisor on board. Mm -hmm. It's very essential to have these people on board. Keeps you safe in the long run. So I think that plays a very, very important role in building your company because essentially founders feel that they can actually do everything by themselves. But there's some help of a professional is needed. Also, there are founders who burn a lot of the investor's money. Essentially, it's the hard-earned money of the investor that is going into the startup because they believe in you. So there are founders that have bought cars with investor's money or using it to treat cancer for personal needs. So I think that kind of practice should be avoided. Yes. And also because women don't believe in themselves. They believe in what others tell them about themselves. So essentially, uh, one needs to stop. Like I can tell you that only when I reached the peak of success, I realized that, oh, I was always fine. I had the talent. It was the people around me because 
they had made me feel different about myself and i was not able to you know break that barrier and achieve so i think to stop listening to what others have to say and sometimes just listen to what we want to do and what we believe in and keep the faith and you know have that confidence that you're on the right path you know so i think that's very very important which women always do we will listen to their you know people around them the colleagues and other people and also they are not told what their skills are mm-hmm. so when we are in the corporate world how many of us tell each other what are our skills mm-hmm. um, you know maybe you have this skill maybe you should pursue this yeah. or maybe you have this skill you know so i think that also nobody tells each other because i don't know what goes on there but the simple thing like telling each other our skills opening doors for each other i think that is a thing where we need to play a role so if you see when a male goes for a meeting they just call each other look we are going for a drink come and then it just me i mean how many of us females do that you know they'll think oh i need to go here maybe i need to take care of my baby <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly remember when I was, you know, running my business, when I was working in the corporate world and when my children were younger, I do remember that I was somebody that I missed out on a lot of that after hours networking because I had to go home. I wanted to go home to see my children before they went to bed. And a lot of my colleagues who are men they had women at home who were putting their children to bed and in fact they would hang around because they're like i don't want to go home and participate in the bath time and the bedtime no i you know i'll go home when it's all done and i can have a nice peaceful evening and yeah. you know i remember that we do have challenges but i think what your the message that's coming loud and clear is that you know don't let others decide who you are we have to believe in ourselves and back ourselves as women and we have to be very clear that we have a goal and a vision that is is not going to be derailed by other people's agenda or opinion of us and i think women that achieve great things just like you have in business and you're sitting on top of this amazing company and you know winning all these awards and i just think it's incredibly inspirational but you're saying that you got there because you didn't let your agenda or your vision be derailed by what other people said to you and i think that's a really important message to go out there to women <laughs> i remember there was a time when i was in a gridlock situation and i didn't know like you know okay now what next and and that's it and i think that was my breakthrough <laughs> so it's so amazing that when i look back at it and i said oh that was it and then it just continued from yeah yeah so i just wanted to revert back to this discussion about about pitch decks and advisors and you know getting everything getting your ducks in a row if you like before you actually seek investment now why is it again that women don't do that more because if that is the way to attract investment if there is if you like a system to do that then what is it that that is holding women back from actually implementing that and raising the capital that they need is it that they just don't know or is it there's is there something else going on do you think bandana 
I think there's lots of things here. Uh, sometimes they just don't have the knowledge about what is the next step, you know, and nobody is there to guide them. Mm-hmm. And they have they have their own barriers. Like in India, if I have to drive a car at the post eight o'clock to go for a meeting, I would be apprehensive. I cannot just take a car and then say, look, I have a late night meeting and I'll be back at 12. The barrier is still there. But I think for a male, that barrier is not there. They can just pick up their car at 8 or 9 o'clock and say, look, I'm going and have their meetings in the evening as well. So I think that also acts as a barrier. Plus, not having the right kind of knowledge or guidance leads them essentially to fall back, you know, where they are not able to have the right sense of business. Yes. Uh, so sometimes they, you know, they don't want to spend or invest in these kind of documents. Yeah. Uh, and because they feel that maybe it's not important or they can do it themselves. And what is wrong? So I'm giving a used case example. When the deck came to us and when the deck comes to us, we do discuss it with a few investors who give us the feedback. And then we go back to our client and we tell them, look, you know, maybe you need to change this. And founder was not ready because she felt, look, I've done the best thing. I'm not going to change. So I think that also acts as a barrier. Reaching out to the wrong investors, like I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, sometimes, the, you know, they are. So I think they need a bit of handholding there as well. Yes. Not only that, also the funds need to recognize these talents in the women. Uh, So now we have a lot of women founders investing in women startups like Nika is one of them. Lady started being an entrepreneur at the age of almost 50 and she has inspired a lot of women in India. So I think that also plays an important role. So there are lots of factors to it and You know, having that firmness, look, I'm going to stand still no matter what. And I mean, when I think one meets all kinds of people, you won't meet when you won't have a rosy day, essentially, or every day, but there will be battles that you need to overcome. So I think having that sense also, where is the opportunity, you know, grabbing that opportunity, there's a lot more thing that goes on behind being an entrepreneur. And some women back out because of a lot of reasons, because I think these are some of the factors where we can help them and educate them. Look, this is how it needs to be done. That's why I always recommend everybody to do read the book, The Power of the Subconscious Mind, because everything that we attract is from our subconscious mind. Uh And if we read that book, we will be very sorted in the mind. And once we are sorted in the mind, I think we'll attract all good things and do mindful activities and then maybe strike hard to become best in the entrepreneur world. What's the name of that book again, Bandana? It's right here. It's called The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Okay, The Power of the Subconscious Mind. Okay, yeah. that's, that's great. And the author is Joseph Murphy. 
Yeah. Okay, so that that's great. That's a recommendation. Yeah. My viewers and listeners tend to be very hungry for knowledge and information. So that's a great tip. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Okay, I, I like the point that you made about investors and about different types of investors, because I also work with real estate investors here in the UK. And you're absolutely right that investors tend to invest because they understand what they're investing in, because that way they will make the wiser investment decisions. And so I think it's completely right. If you're a tech investor, then you don't want to invest in real estate because you don't understand it and vice versa. So there are all sorts of different types of investors with their different criteria and they know what they want. And so you are not really as somebody who's seeking funds is in the driving seat in terms of dictating terms. It's to do with a fit really, isn't it, Bandana? Would, would you agree with that? Yeah, yeah. It's essentially what matches. So we as investment bankers act as matchmakers, you can see, yes. <laughs> where the marriage or the divorce happens. So Yes, yes. that's a good uh, way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's essential, having the right match there. And also how to present yourself in the investor meetings, you know. Maybe yes, you need to present yourself like a man. Sometimes. So sometimes you have to behave like a man. <laughs> so, and you know, maybe inside you have to be a half man to be able to <laughs> strike the balance there. Yeah. So I, I really like that. That's such an interesting kind of statement. So, what does it mean by in investor meetings you have to be like a man or you have to in a way put on your man cloak be a be a you know bring out your inner man what does that actually mean bandana i think that means to answer all the questions precisely mm-hmm. uh, be to the point cut it short where it needs to get cut short i think and where you need to put your foot down you have to put your foot down yeah. Um, and then you don't need to care who's going to think what about you and just, you know, deal with it. So I think it's very essential, you know, so I the term humble is mixed up with being submissive. Uh-huh. So I always correct that, that being humble means being grounded, but firm. We don't have to be submissive in anything. Speak out what we need to, but firm. I mean, also in control with our emotions like anger and other stuff uh, that should not go on in meetings, essentially. And to the point, crisp and everything, and I think we can strike the balance. Yeah. Yeah, so so these are obviously traits that are more often associated with men, which are kind of being logical, straight to the point, um, probably using a lot of data and statistics uh, because obviously – Investment is about numbers, isn't it? So people Mm -hmm. always, investors always want to know about the numbers and they will be swayed by data and research and facts and all of those things rather than perhaps kind of, uh, you know, more more fluffy kind of emotional, emotionally driven talk, which I think is the point that that you're making. And uh, but the truth is that a lot of men they they are will not be very good at this stuff either. It's it's something that what you're talking about it's just good business practice, isn't it? And it's it's yeah. the gold standard, really, isn't it? 
Yeah, I think what I mean is that having the right kind of practice to strike off. Uh, You know, I think uh, that's very essential. And having the right practices and right knowledge, right direction leads you to places. Yeah. Now, you know, there are a lot of books that one can read. I can show a few here also. Wherein you can get that knowledge if you don't have. Attending these kind of webinars where, you know, you get to know, hearing podcasts. Like I, uh, during the lockdown, I used to go to Clubhouse a lot. Uh, yes. Uh, instead of listening to music or anything else, just before I went off to sleep to hear what people <laughs> have to say about investments and other stuff to gain knowledge. So I think that should be practiced a lot. You know, the more knowledge you have, the less chance that you would, you know, not be able to fit anywhere. So I yes. think you can always question then, why this, why that? You know? Yes, knowledge is power, right? I mean, it, it is. And, and as you said, these days, knowledge is relatively easy to access, but the will to access it varies considerably from one individual to another. And there are always going to be people who they just don't want to expand their minds and they don't want to learn more and it but I believe that the people that that do learn they read they consume but they're not just consuming for entertainment they're consuming to learn I think those are the people who are going to succeed really in in life so yeah that's a really important point so I can give an example there yeah demonetization had hit in India, many of us didn't know how to use PPM or the digital mode of payments. Mm-hmm. When we were forced to use, then we started using. Now we see the milkman, the vegetable man, the taxi driver using. When the pandemic hit us, many of us didn't know how to use Zoom, Airme, StreamYard, all these uh, platforms. And then finally, when they were forced to use, they went into it and started using. So I think it's also essential to be proactive and progressive and yes. not close your stuff in learning because it could you can be a slow learner or a fast learner. That's okay, but essentially you have to keep learning. Yes, you absolutely do. And I don't know what you think about the traditional education system, Bandana, but you know, certainly I feel that in the in the UK the education system has not kept up with the changes in society and that people are expected as certainly I think my children who went to very good schools but they were very traditional schools and it was the same curriculum that I learned when I was at school decades ago and they are not learning about communications they're not learning about relationships they're not learning about investment about managing their personal finances really about any of those things that actually lead to success and happiness today. And I wonder what you think about the education system, about the education system in in India. Do you think improvements and reform are needed in order to raise a generation who are better equipped for success? Of course, of course. There's a lot of change in India. I can see it in my children. They go to an IB school here. So essentially, they had taken the IGCSE curriculum, which is affiliated with UK as well. But the difference between the CBSE was that they didn't have to do the rote learning that I did 
they didn't have to mug up things and give a paper. They could understand and do things. And uh, choice of subjects was also given. So uh, they didn't have to like focus on a particular stream and not have the this thing leverage to choose a subject. And of course, during the lockdown, my daughter worked for a cake company that had zero revenue. And she did their Insta page, their Facebook and their website. And she did a lot many things where their revenue increased three times more. So um, I think that personality development, managing finances should be a definitely be a part of the curriculum, learning about investments, learning about different kinds of job roles, not having to just typically do the same curriculum over and over again. Every year there has to be a change in the curriculum, in the way we approach our children, in the way we educate them. Because essentially, it's only not about bookish knowledge. It's also about the practical knowledge. You know, one might be having all the bookish knowledge, but no practical knowledge, no hands-on experience. Like, for instance, there were CEOs and CFOs that came to me who had lost jobs. But the simple thing like using a WhatsApp story, a Facebook story, having your LinkedIn in order, having your website in order, they... They just were, they didn't know and being on such positions. So I think it's a lot more important to have the, to have children educated in the right manner, have them the hands-on experience. It, uh, schools should, you know, directed by the children more than the teachers. So that way the, it will be a more interactive session where they learn to understand and business, how to be an entrepreneur maybe. You know, life uh, life lessons, wherein, okay, if this happens, then what can one do, you know, to fix it? So I think those are very, very essential. Not just learning maths formulas or science formulas, etc. So which, or history for that matter. Like, what's the child going to learn about that year that that pillar fell down and stuff like that. So I feel that, that should change a lot. Yes. Yes. And I think the other thing it, that you make an important point about is that there should be a review annually, really. And it's okay what changes have happened in society yes. that we now need to incorporate in the curriculum. And I mean, obviously, this is a podcast for entrepreneurs rather than school children, but a lot of us entrepreneurs, parents, we want to make sure that our children are brought up and equipped with skills that are going to set them up for the future. And something that you just mentioned, which is CEOs, uh, high-level C-suite people that are losing their jobs, being put in a position where they are out there on the market emphasizes this because I'm working with somebody at the moment, for example, who is very much that type of person. And he hasn't been taught to market himself and to build his personal brand. And today, everybody, well, you are who Google says you are, right? So you obviously know that. So you've got this string of awards to your name, which are very impressive, but they give you authority. And it's not that what you're doing isn't fantastic by itself, 
but you understand, and there you are, you know, you've got your logo and your name and everything on screen, that it's also about building and carving out a personal brand for yourself that gives you that authority and credibility out there in the market. And that actually transcends any business that you're currently involved in. And I think that's really, really important too. And that's something that I think we all ought to be you know, taught really is how to do that and best ways to do that. Was that something that anybody taught you, Vandana, or did you just kind of have a curiosity and develop it yourself? I can tell you this is done by my daughter. Yes. Okay. Uh, she said that you need to have this whenever you do talks and she and her friend sat together one day and they did this for me. So essentially, nobody taught me, but I also learned it from my own children that, okay, this needs to be done. And I think by time, when you become an entrepreneur, you realize that brand building is very, very essential. And, you know, one needs to do these kind of uh, fancy things to attract people to get to know about your brand. What is Convanto? What does it do essentially? So that's what, you know, like, because I always went on these talks also on VCTV and many other places where I met uh, entrepreneurs who were doing this. So we learn from each other or maybe we can have this. So I did go to my daughter once and I said, you know, I want to do like this. Can you make something for me? So that's when she said, yeah, I can. So that's how we did it then. Since then, it's been there. Yes. And I think I've got several people that support me who are young, they're young people, but because they've grown up with this technology, they tend to be very, very good at it. And we can learn from them, as you said, as well. So that's the really, really nice thing about it. Yeah. So just before we go back, Vandana, because this has been such a fascinating talk, I just wanted to go back to something else that you said about submissive and about women and the need not to be submissive. Now, I know that obviously in some cultures in particular, women are perhaps encouraged to be more submissive and to defer to men. And so it, in order to, if you like, go against the grain, that can be kind of quite uncomfortable at times, can't it? I, I think for, for many women, many women are brought up to defer to men. So how do you actually hold the line if you're with in an environment where you've got some, I mean, your environment, venture capital, VC, investment banking, as you said, it's a very thrusting kind of competitive environment yeah. where you get all these alpha males, you know, and they're all fighting for position with each other, you know, never mind, you know, being a woman in the mix there. So how do you actually resist that you know, that kind of tendency to defer, I guess, is the thing that I'm saying. That's something, a really key thing that I think a lot of women who are going to be in male-dominated environments need to hear about. I think it's very important to clear your throat chakras, uh-huh. you know, and when you clear your throat chakras, you have to come out of the fear, fear of missing out, fear of losing fear of something is going to happen if you speak your mind out. <laughs> I think that fear factor, you have to cut, it, cut out the fear from your mind. That's the first step. So when you cut out the fear from your mind and 
with authenticity if you speak something which your mind is saying without being diplomatic or you know going around this thing i think that creates a lot of difference in your voice in your aura in a lot way when you present yourself so i think when you come into such situations the first thing is you have to cut down the fear so once the fear is gone i think that's when you can just speak whatever you want to and don't have to be submissive you don't have to you know be timid about anything and just speak and you know leave say what you want to and we should not judge so i think that's another thing as well that why many women don't want to speak or want to be submissive is they have the fear of being judged so yeah. i think when you lose that thing okay if i'm judged i'm judged big deal i'm going to say what i have to and i'm going to do what i have to not that you know you have to jump off the well or something i didn't mean that but i think you know you have to let people judge you it's fine because if anybody judges you actually they are give, making you more prosper <laughs> that's one thing and as a woman or as an entrepreneur or as a mean you should also not judge anybody that's another thing so once that thing comes goes away from our system i think then there'll be less submissive people and i think the first and foremost is not to have fear mm-hmm. fear is one thing that doesn't allow you to take risks doesn't allow you to make decisions on your own doesn't allow you to speak what you want to doesn't allow you to feel what you want to so i think that's really really important the fear has to come up the more you let fear seep in it will just magnify and not let you do what you have to yeah that's that's so powerful and of course predators love prey don't they and, yeah. and so you know just as in the animal world dogs for example my dog if he sniffs another dog that's on a lead that is frightened of him my dog will get aggressive because yeah. he senses that fear so that is a very very important point that in order to in order to be our best selves and to be the strongest version of ourselves even in a male dominated environment where the only we're the only woman in the ma- in the room and i've been in that situation many many times your advice to just ditch the fear and just be yourself just you know you don't we don't have to be aggressive we don't have to be men you know we have to play the man's game sometimes and talk in a way that you know men value in other words you know talk about the harder stuff the data the statistics the proof the this that the other but we don't have to lose our femininity our essential yeah. femininity we just have yeah. to be confident and relaxed and be ourselves yeah and that's exactly we can be feminine and do essentially what we want to do main factor is that don't let fear so that will not let you grow fear is one thing that will stop you from anything and essentially anywhere so you need to be warrior goddess and i think brave at heart so i think that's uh, <laughs> that's very important 
Amazing. So, well, thank you so much for that very inspirational message. So remember, everybody, be a warrior goddess. Obviously, we're going to have some men listening to the podcast. So be a warrior, be a warrior too. But if you're female, be a warrior goddess. So thank you so much, Vandana. That was such an amazing interview. And thank you for inspiring all of us. Thank you so much, Jane, for having me here. It's a pleasure to be on your platform and There's a lot of positive vibrations that I get from you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening in. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to rate and review my podcast as it will help me bring the power of connection to the world. I work one-to-one to help entrepreneurs ignite the power of authentic connection in their businesses and lives. I also help them accelerate their results through attracting and converting more of their ideal clients. And if this is something you'd like to do too, why not head on over to www.idealclientsuccess.com masterclass and I'll show you how.